It is always a great privilege to come together to worship our Savior. It's always a great honor to be able to come together and to understand that we had one who was sacrificed for us. On this great day, we see that there are, there are many here, and I understand that there are many people who have family in town. There are many who have things going on that they could be doing. They could be participating in something other than worship to our Savior. But there is no greater choice than to be right here. There is no greater choice than to come together and to honor Jesus, to honor our Father, to honor the Holy Spirit, to honor God as a whole. If you would be turning in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, this being the first chapter of our New Testament Bible kind of starts the story. It starts from the beginning and it says in verse 1 of chapter 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It links way back to a promise that was made to Abraham. There was a promise made to Abraham that through him, through his seed, all nations, everyone, would be blessed. Today, we are those, we are the ones that are blessed through that seed. It goes on to give us a genealogy that leads up to Christ. Within that genealogy, we find the fulfillment of that promise made to Abraham. Because as you read through after Abraham, after David, after all those people in between, it says... There was Christ. Jesus the Christ, the one whom we serve today. Now look in verse 18. If you notice here, Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily or privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she will or shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done which might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the prophet, spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying. This is the verse that we just read in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, which Cameron read to us just a moment ago. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. The interpretation of that, God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. There was a prophecy made over 2,000 years ago or there was a fulfillment of that prophecy over 2,000 years ago and before that, around 700 years before that, there was a prophecy written by Isaiah that 
there would be a child born of a virgin. Now this prophecy didn't come about until Christ. The, the virgin birth that came about within Christ only happened one time. It's never going to happen again. It happened only within Christ because it took a supernatural, supernatural figure. It took God and his power to make such a thing happen. This prophecy was planned from the very beginning, from the foundations of the earth. There was a plan that there would be the Christ who would come. You can see another reference to the Christ coming in Genesis chapter 3. Right after the sin that was committed in the garden as they partook or ate of the forbidden fruit, as God talks to, to Satan there, he says he was going to bruise his head. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The head of Satan would be bruised. That crushing blow was Christ. The only thing that, that could stop Satan was Christ. In Romans 3.23, we see that it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin was the problem in the world. If all have sinned, Satan was on the winning track. He was on the path to take everyone, but there was a crushing blow. That's Jesus. The Emmanuel, God with us. Notice that it said, He shall save them from their sins. He was the only one that could do it. There's no forgiveness of sins without Christ, without going back to him. As we look at the passage here in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, we'll first know that the, notice that there's a miraculous conception. This is that virgin birth. This is that virgin that is found with child. That's unheard of. It doesn't happen. Nature's laws were defied in this because that's not, the, that's not the plan of how human life works. God set up a plan in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 where he said every seed would, produ would produce after its kind. If the seed is to produce after his kind, according to nature, it took the two seeds coming together in order to produce. That, that law of nature that we have that law of nature that mankind is stuck to can't be altered by us. But there is one, there's one that could do different. The Holy Spirit wasn't bound by these laws. You'll notice, notice in verse 18 that it says the child was of the Holy Ghost. It was something greater than mankind because... We couldn't do that. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, as Jesus is talking to them, to, to the people there, he says, with God, all things are possible. Now with man, we can't just do anything. But with God, there was no, no law of nature that prevented him or stopped him from doing anything. All things were able to be done by him. As Christ came to this earth, he lived that perfect life. That's, the, that's how he became the way that they could be freed from their sins. Now notice here, Joseph. We see Joseph, is, as he's espoused to this woman and he 
He knows he's never been with her. And within human nature, it is not physically possible for one to be born without two people coming together. So oftentimes, as you look at the, the people in Scripture, try and put yourself in their shoes. If I was Joseph, I would have been very hurt. I would have been like him. I'm done with her. Why would I want this woman in my life? Because you see what she's done. Because at first, he, he didn't know. How could he know? Why wouldn't he put her away? You can think of many characters throughout the scriptures. If we were in their shoes, maybe we would have made a similar decision. Oftentimes I wonder, what if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned and we could be living in the garden? Well, the problem is I know I've sinned. And if I've sinned, that means I was the one that got us kicked out of the garden. Put yourself in their shoes. In the, in the shoes of Joseph, he was only doing what he thought best. Notice this, as it says, he was minded to put her away privily, privately. He didn't want to make a public example out of her, it says, but he wanted to do it in secret because he knew that he didn't want any part of this. Joseph knew in his mind that Mary had done wrongly. He knew what she had done was, was, not, was not in accordance with God, what God had said. A, a miracle, however, had taken place. It says there that she, the child was of the Holy Ghost. We as individuals have to be careful that we judge righteously. Back then... Joseph was making a righteous judgment because there was no way physically possible for this woman to have a child without another man involved. As humans today, we can look only at the actions of an individual. You can't judge an individual. John chapter 7 verse 24 it says judge, judge not according to the appearance. But it says but judge righteous judgment. John chapter 7, verse 24, that is. Judge a righteous judgment. He was doing the best that he could think in his mind. He was making the best possible choice that he thought he could, but it was of the Holy Ghost. Next, let's look at the miraculous conversation. Verses 20 through 21, it says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. There's something different about this conversation than the ones that we have today. Because if I want to say something to you, I don't go to you while you're sleeping and talk to you. If I want to say something to you, I've got to talk to you face to face. Now, there's a way that God can communicate that we can't. Now, this was back then, and today it doesn't happen quite like that. But at this point in time, God communicated through a dream. This is a different conversation than we would have. It's miraculous. We know today that those miracles have passed. If we study, study other portions of scriptures, we'll see, see that that doesn't happen anymore. But however, this time, the thoughts that we see here weren't vocalized because they were within a dream. It wasn't the, the vocal conversation that we could have. But however, we have to notice that this is only because of an omniscient, an all-powerful God. He's not limited. He's not limited in anything that he does. We as humans don't communicate in this manner, but we'll notice here, what was this voice in the dream? This voice was the voice of reason. This is the, 
the best word that could ever be heard. This was God's word. Now today, I told you we aren't going to hear God in a dream like this. And why is that? Because after we were given the scriptures, we have God's word right here. We still have God's word, but we have to rather get into it and read it. God doesn't speak to us directly like he did it to some of the forefathers. But rather, we must get in and study for ourselves. We must therefore look at God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So therefore, that inspiration, that word means it's God-breathed. It was from his mouth. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and then it's profitable, and you'll see all the good things that it is. Profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Then why? That the man of God... The person that wants to do what's right may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. They may be complete in Christ. We have salvation because we studied the scriptures and we learned the plan that Christ had set in order, that God had set in order. There was a verbalized name. Now, we know that, that this was all within a dream, but the name is mentioned by God. And she shall bring forth the son, verse 21, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He was named by God. He wasn't named by man, rather God called out what this child would be named. It doesn't work like that today. Moms and dads have to figure out what they're going to name their children. But this one, this one was pre-named. This was named by our father. If you will, look next at the miraculous classification. So what is it? What's the classification? Well, God's in a different class, and that's just it. He's God. Now, if we look at Jesus, what was so important about him is he was 100% man. He lived on the earth just as us, except it was without sin. Although he was 100% man, he was also 100% God. Now, I know I'm not real good at math. And I know that, that I could, could be wrong on figures, but this is just the way it works. Christ was 100% both. He was 100% God and yet still 100% man. Look at, look at the saying of old. That's that verse we read in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It's the verse that was restated here in verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Being interpreted, God with us. The saying of old was that this was going to come about. There would be a Christ child. There would be forgiveness of sins through God. The second member of the Godhead. Through Christ himself as he came and lived and died. The sleep was then passed. Joseph arose from sleep, but he remembered. A lot of times I have problems remembering my dreams but when there's a miraculous intervention, there ain't no chance. There isn't any way that he's going to forget what God had set in store. What God had put in his mind, he would never, he would never forget. Verse 23, we see, we see the, the prophecy that was, that was before stated. We'll notice here that the Savior 
was the savior of all. The greatest part about this message is that the child would save us from sins. It would save mankind from their sins. When we mess up, we have the opportunity to be saved only because Christ came and he lived for us. He lived and died sinless. Finally, let's look at the miraculous message. I'm going to go back to verse 21. The miraculous message, for he shall save his people from their sins. It's miraculous because it couldn't happen by anyone else. No one else could live a sinless life. The miraculous message is that this one, this being, yet this God is the one that saved. Christ lived the human life perfectly and sinlessly, and through that, we can have forgiveness. John chapter 12, verse 48, it says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, that's Jesus talking, the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Now, we're talking about a miraculous message. The message was that Jesus saves from sins. If Jesus saves from sins, I want to hear what he's got to say. He said, the word that I have spoken, that's what judges. If that's the judge, then we've got to figure out what he said what he said is the way that we'll be saved in John chapter 6 verse 63 it said it's the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing the words that I speak unto you they are spirit and they are life you want life look at the words look at the words of this book and you'll find out in there John chapter 15 verse 14 Jesus said you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you, follow his commands. Where do we find them? Well, in his word. In God's word, that's the only place we can find them. Christ commanded those Christians. Those that were followers of him were commanded to come together upon the first day of the week. Acts chapter 20 verse 7, it says, upon the first day of the week. When the disciples came, to, came together to break bread... Paul preached unto them, ready to depart. Preached unto them until midnight, ready to depart. On the morrow. Now we have an example here where the people came together on the first day of the week. This was Christ's commands. They did this on the first day, it says. That's going to imply that they did it on every first day. The first day of the week includes every week. The important thing which we'll see within Christ was not the day of his birth. Now, there were a lot of important things about the birth of Christ. We see that he was born of a virgin. We see that he was in the right family. We see that he had the right class because he was God. We see that he had the right message because it's the one that could save from sins. So let's see what Jesus said was important. John chapter 20, verse 1. This is after Christ's death. It says, on the first day of the week cometh... Mary Magdalene, early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. If you continue reading, you'll see that Jesus has died, Jesus has risen. Now, when Jesus commanded them to come together, he said, he, as he instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, this do in remembrance of me. We see in the scriptures that upon the first day of the week, that's the day that Jesus assigned that's the day that Jesus set up. What do we remember when we remember 
as we partake of the Lord's Supper. He said, you do show the Lord's death till he come. On the first day of the week, he was resurrected. Now notice within this, it was very important when life came into the world. You talk about the birth. The birth of Christ, many people as they notice this, this season, we, we think of the, the birth of Christ. If you want to talk about the birth of Christ, talk about the new birth. The birth in which he was raised again to go home, to be in heaven. We in that same manner can have a new birth. You have the life, the physical life that you live but there's still another life that we have that's much more important. That's that spiritual life. There's a new birth, a new Christian, a new life. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here's Paul's writing to those at Corinth. Starting in verse 15 and following it says moral in starting in verse 1 of chapter 15 it says moreover brethren i declare unto you the gospel which i preached unto you which also ye have received and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved what did it say about jesus back in matthew chapter 1 it said he shall save the people from their sins what's it say here saved them it points back to the gospel now there's got to be a link there so let's see as we go on it says by which also ye are saved in verse 2 if you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless ye have believed in vain so what is the gospel what is it that he was preaching to him it says for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures the saving power came about in the gospel the saving power came about in that Christ died for our sins. Upon the first day of the week, we remember Christ and that great sacrifice that he gave. We talk about the, the blood that he shed. Notice verse 4, it says, And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Just another prophecy that was fulfilled. All the prophecies fulfilled in Christ go to show that he was the Emmanuel. He was Jesus. He was the one that can save us from our sins. Now that gospel that we see here in 1 Corinthians 15, that's the gospel that we must follow. Just like Christ died, we also must die. Now it's not a physical death that I'm talking about but rather spiritually we must die. We must put off the old man. That's the man prior to the time where we were baptized. Prior to the time where we put on Christ in baptism, it says, and have your sins washed away. That's your new birthday. That's the more important birthday. Born on November 17th, I do celebrate a birthday every year, but I've got a birth date that is so much more important. That's the one where I became a new person, a new man, a new individual in Christ. Now it says that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We also are to be buried into the waters. 
We are buried in baptism, rising to walk in newness of life. Here it says, and buried and that he rose again. Jesus did the same thing, the same steps that we follow because as he died, as he was buried, as he rose again, that's the same thing we do. As we are buried in baptism, as we are dead in sin previous to our baptism, because we have sinned, we know we have to make a change. We are buried then in the waters of baptism. Our sins are washed away and then we rise to walk a new way. That's that straight and narrow path, that one that we're told about, we are to follow. Keep your eyes on the goal. The one that looketh back is not worthy. Let's keep marching towards the goal. As we enjoy the time we have together over the holidays, it's a good thing to be able to spend this time with family. But as we study Christ, as we look at Christ, understand that Christ is important every first day. There's nothing more special about this Sunday than any other Sunday. Christ died for us. We are given an example. We are given a plan. We are given a command to remember him each Lord's day. And that's what we do as Christians. As Christ followers, that is our command. If you haven't been baptized through remission of your sins, let's follow the plan that Jesus set in store. Let us become dead to those sins because we believe in Christ. Let us confess our belief in him. Let us understand that he is the Lord and Savior. We'll have that faith that comes by the belief. We confess our Lord. Then, just as Christ, we are buried before we rise to walk in a newness of life. If you're ready to walk that new life, if you're ready to make a change in your life and give it all to God from here on out, I encourage you, please come now as we stand and sing.